Today, we're going to close the book on LSU. We're going to talk some Bless Harris news. And Drake, with our newfound optimism, we're going to revisit this schedule. 12-0. and 0. And we have an old friend stop by to get his thoughts and reactions. And also, kind of basically have a little bit of a bragging rights tour. But folks, thank you guys so much for being locked on Seminoles. Your first listen each and every single day. And with that being said, let's go on with the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another edition of Locked On Seminoles. This is everybody, it's your boy Drake here, and today I am joined by Dave, but also we have a very, very special guest with us today, a man who needs no introduction, one of our best friends, and someone who basically is near and dear to both of our hearts, and also yours as well, as a listener for a very long time, since so Noel's Anonymous, we have Mr. Max Moody of the Seminole Executive Brief, back with the boys, back with the game, Max How's it going, my guy? <laughs> What's up, guys? It's good, man. It's good. It is. Uh, it feels feels good to be here. We're back. Not that we went anywhere. You haven't <laughs> seen that we Cage anywhere. movie. You got to see it. But uh, no, we- it's good, man. It's good to be back. What a week. What what a. Do y'all feel like a little deflated this week? Almost like it's like we got we had th- just the whole off season was about this LSU game and we did it and then it's like, oh man, that was a ride. I couldn't feel less deflated. In fact, not deflated, like upset, but just like it's like all the adrenaline. I don't know how to contain. I don't know how to contain what's going on. This is the first time we've ever had a winning program as a podcast. You do realize that, right? That's more what I'm kind of riding right now. For those that weren't there since the beginning when we were Knowles Anonymous, this started as a support group for those suffering from Florida State fandom, and now look where we are. Look at us now, and also. Since Max has been basically the uh, the big Jordan Travis truther, and basically this is we're talking about the LSU game. Max has been there since day one. He's the president of the J J Trav uh, High fan club. Max, take your victory lap for right now. Talk about LSU. Talk about some Jordan Travis highlights. I mean, it's really simple, right? I, I said that if Jordan Travis could keep his stats the exact same and increase his yards per attempt, he'd he'd be pushing three thousand thirty five hundred yards, and that that's what he's done, right? You look at him last year. 63% completions this year, 64.6. The difference is his yards per attempt last year, 7.9. This year it's 9.7. That is one of the best ways to judge a quarterback, right? Because it adjusts for completions. It looks at how, I mean, I guess not how far they're throwing the ball, but how long their individual completions are. So it kind of it kind of looks at, at everything that we consider. So he's throwing the ball deeper downfield. He's completing passes more often. Whatever it is, that number has jumped. And if he can keep it 65%, and nine yards per attempt, and he can throw, you know, 300 times versus 160 last year, he's going to have a hell of a campaign. So it's really exciting. I mean, I keep calling him the, the passer that was promised, right? Like a uh, little Game of Thrones reference, but he looks crisp. I mean, his best throws on Sunday were dropped. It's plain and simple. He threw an absolute NFL throw to Cam McDonald that hmm. I don't really know what happened there. Um, the one in the end zone was a dime. I know Johnny Wilson had drop my, my favorite throw though actually of all all of them was the one where pookie got a little bit out leveraged on the sidelines and, and here's why that was the exact same type of play that mckenzie milton threw two picks on last year one against florida one in the game against louisville where he threw a 50 50 ball in that scenario so when the the, the receiver got out leveraged 
it results in a pick. Jordan Travis now has the wherewithal to know, hey, maybe my, my six-foot flat receiver is not going to out leverage that DB. So why don't I put it out of bounds where only the receiver can get it? So if he does get pushed out, great. It's an incompletion, non-interception. And a bunch of other things that just show his maturity as a passer and the skills he's developed of got me really, really excited for this season. Yeah, I mean, too, and overall, basically, basically, like you kind of were the one that's beating the drum, Dave and myself, and probably stronger myself, weren't a little more skeptical. And so far, it basically seems that uh, Jordan Travis, for lack of a better word, is uh, making me look like a big, de- dumb idiot. And so far, basically, he's actually improved, you know, going forward. And to me, I hope he's fully healthy for the season because even if he stays, I guess, 80% of what we saw this past Sunday against LSU, this team has a very, very high ceiling, right, Dave? Yeah, and I just want to point something out. This is not taking any credit away from Jordan Travis. Doesn't hurt that he has like actual receivers to throw to and that Pokey Wilson is his third right. best receiver. And doesn't hurt that his offensive line is no longer a turnstile, even if it's not the best in college football yet. Uh, but good to have all these new additions to the team, Drake. I think we have to talk about one of the new additions, unfortunately, in not such a good sense, don't we? Yeah, we do, unfortunately. And one of the things that, Max, before you left here, we are talking about how the depth of the offensive line as a whole was probably one of the stronger suits kind of for this entire team. Now, unfortunately, we have lost two transfers to in the past month. Kane Lyles, as we spoke about earlier this month, is out for the rest of the year for due, due to a lower leg injury. And now we are finally getting word that from, I guess, yesterday or the day before, I think when Mike Norvell spoke to the media, that Bless Harris is out for the remainder of the season with I don't know. I don't think they gave up clarity. I know it's an upper arm injury. I'm pretty sure it's either like around this area here. So losing Bless Harris, Max, what do you guys make of that? Because I had him penciled in as a potential starter at right tackle for the remainder of the year. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, we're showing our depth. You know, I I'll be honest, man. I I didn't really notice him not in there on Sunday. I mean, there wasn't a single play where I was like, man, if Bless had been in there. Um, what I did notice was a complete lack of targeting and late hit flags. Which I mean, I'm being. You guys know I'm the ref player. Go back. I've rewatched the game twice now. BJ Ojolari should have been ejected in the first quarter twice for late hits and targeting. But you know, whatever. Big Twelve refs, they're they're they don't know what defense looks overlords. like. So that happens. Um, yeah, they're they're very confused. And then again, Renardo Green pushes a blocker as a play's ending, and that's a late hit. I, I've never seen that called in my life. Um, but I, I don't think there was one time where I'm like, man, ble-. because you look at the numbers, and Bless wasn't amazing when he was in. I mean, he could have been a starter, but he he was a depth piece. Whether that was he's number one and he was protecting the second Fungible guy, or, with the second guy, right, or vice versa. I mean, you're not seeing a huge new baseball stat. I like to use value over replacement player with Bless Harris. He's kind of an average offensive tackle, which you don't want to see him hurt, but it isn't changing measurably my my win total on the year. Well, yeah, I mean, more like, how does it make you feel guys, for death purposes wise? Because that was the one thing. Not that great. Now, yeah, yeah, right. That, that was more what I wanted to get at for you. Well, but that's, that's the easy and obvious answer, right? Like, yeah. But that's not the end of the equation, though. Like, it doesn't end with, oh, we have no depth anymore. Like, for example, Julian Armella apparently has been doing great in practice. Yeah, he's an 18-year-old kid, but that's a big kid. Doesn't and look- <laughs> what? Doesn't look 18, if we're being honest here. The yeah, like right. <laughs> exactly. So if we had to rely on him... I don't think he, exact, for example, if we had to put him in at right tackle, is he that much of a drop-off from Les Harris? We know his ceiling may be higher, so I don't worry that much. Like, we knew we had depth. Here it is. Let me pose it to you this way, too. Let's not even talk about Bless Harris because we can't control the fact that he's out. Do you feel any worse about Julian Armella playing as a true freshman than you did about Mo Smith playing as a true freshman two years no, ago? not at all. No, yeah, not really, because so. I think Julian Armella comes in with a little more hype, and we also already heard that he was kind of performing extremely well 
with the Mo Smith thing, I actually feel better about Julian because Mo Smith always came in a little bit smaller. And also snapping, we were kind of, probably for me, I was very scarred with having not having centers that knew how to snap the ball and then block correctly for the past few seasons. So I was very wary on that. But, I mean, to me overall, like, I have no problem with Julian Mel sliding in. But thankfully, we brought in the South Carolina transfer and Jazzy T, Mr. Jason Turrentine. We don't have to call him Jason Turnstout yet. But to me overall, he performed admirably, I think is the best way to put it, because his past blocking sets were pretty well. But overall, he... He definitely might be the unsung hero of this offensive line overall, aside next to um, uh, Demetri Emanuel to see hopefully he can improve the rest of the year. I mean, he's your best pass blocker, according to Pro Football Focus, on 130 snaps, uh, Tarantinas. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's performed really well in the pass block. Look, that guy is literally built in a lab for pass blocking, though. He's, what, like six foot six, six foot seven, but he has a wingspan of someone who's like six nine. So he's already long, and he's got long arms. Yeah, he he is a really solid and – and he showed up, like, not sloppy and, like – you know, just like, oh, has this guy been in a weight room? He showed up looking like a power five offensive lineman, which is a huge help. Yeah, so to close the chapter on this, I think the answer would be losing Bless Harris sucks, but I don't think it actually hurts our performance unless another one or two tackles go down. So yeah. we'll be yeah, right. I, I, I think that's a great summary. Yeah, I think that's good too. So hopefully next year when Bless comes back, it may be more of a blessing in disguise when he comes back on the offensive line. But don't. Dude, bad that. puns aside, bad puns aside, though, folks, we would like to thank each and every single one of you locked on Samuels first listen each and every single day. But we talk about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your, all your latest sports action. While Max is giving me the uh, sound treatment over there, but I do want to ask because it's usually a fade Dave segment. I do need to go over actually and ask Max basically about his second favorite team, and that is the team that near and dear to his heart. He roots for them in secret. And that is the team taking on the Louisville Cardinals on oh, Friday boy. night. And that is the UCF Charge on Charge on Knights, led by Gus Malzahn and the three-name Pilgrim transfer QB from Ole Miss, John Rice Plumley. Max, UCF is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Louisville. What are you taking in this game? And if you're doing your math right now, I can let Dave go on first if you want. No, no it's, it's okay. I've got you. Um, so this is before, before Malik Cunningham had just an abysmal performance against Syracuse last week. I would have had UCF at home as like a nine-ish. Uh, yeah, I would have had him as an eight-point favorite. By the way, across all games last week, my proprietary uh, model had an average miss on the outcome of two points. So um, I'm trusting it for one more week. And yeah, I, I think UCF, it, with if he plays like that, Malik Cunningham plays like that, is going to murder Louisville. That's not going to happen. You, uh, Louisville money line is the easiest bet of the year. Easy. Done. And that's why, folks, we have the Fade Day segment because Fade does not know ball like Max and I know ball. So, folks, take UCF minus five and a half. Head on over to betonline.net today and use promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on. L O C K E D O N. Betonline, where the game starts. So we are back and we are rock and rolling here in your favorite daily Florida State Samuels sports podcast. As we always, folks, please five-star reviews, either on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it's your podcast from. And also hit, go on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe button, tippy tippy top, and also ding the little bell so you know when new content drops. Gentlemen, now we look towards the schedule. We have 10 games remaining. We'll do five games this segment, five games in the last segment. Dave, you kick us off right now. How do you feel after the LSU and Duquesne wins heading into the meteor half of the schedule right now. Right. This is a different exercise than before. We had almost no information. It was all speculation before the, every other time we've done this because it was all preseason. 
Um, we have two games isn't a huge sample size, but we know a lot more about this team. And I think our perspectives are probably a lot different. Like, for example, it, it starts for me the very first game we play. Uh, if you go back and listen to every preview we've done, I've told you with 100% confidence we're going to lose to Louisville. I'm now confident that unless Malik Cunningham goes out and has a Heisman performance against UCF, which is possible, and even if he does, I think that game is winnable now. I didn't think so before. Um, you look at the rest of the first half of the rest of the schedule, I guess, which is through Clemson, I want to say. So we I played so. BC, Wake, NC State, Clemson. Which one of those teams did you watch these last week and say to yourself, oh, crap, I really wish we didn't have to play them? I mean, here's the thing. I didn't think I'd say this, but that is supposed to be a quarterback gauntlet. And oddly enough, Clemson had the best quarterback play of every <laughs> team we to play, Agreed. and it wasn't their starter. And I think that Dabo is just too damn stubborn to start Cade Klubnik, and you're going to see that offense falter. But here's the thing. It's it's week one, right? And we love to overreact, and I do it myself. Like, it's crazy. I'm, I'm going to be really interested to watch Phil Jerkovic at Boston College this weekend. Sam Hartman returning against Vanderbilt for Wake Forest. Uh, and even Devin Leary kind of had a bad week last week. So I don't know if the the preseason hype is going to all these guys' heads. I mean, it it happens. But look at 2014. We kept waiting for Jameis to bounce back, and he never got back into 2013 form. Some would argue still hasn't. So I, maybe these quarterbacks are just going to be worse, and we're going to win four of the next five. Maybe they all just had a bad week, and – you know, it's still kind of like, hey, if we can get out of these next five with three wins, we'll be really, really happy. I, I, I was tough to say I was just going to ask that. So I think before the season, we had we would have said we should we need to go three and two in that span. Not mm -hmm. that we would, but we need to. Where are you at now? Because I'm kind of in my head at thinking with what I've seen with this Florida State team and with what I've seen out of those teams, but more the former. I now feel like we need to go four and one in this stretch to really capture what seems like lightning, not lightning in a bottle, but what seems like something special-ish that the coaches have brewing through two weeks? I'd probably go three and two personally. I think four and one is kind of like, I get where you're going with this day, but I think what Max was saying with Devin Leary, I personally think Devin Leary will have more of a bounce back game because the ECU as your first you know, game overall, it's a tough place to go to in state rivalry. I do agree though that Boston College is a bad team. Uh, I don't know how I'm now on the train where that you and Max have been conducting that Jeff Halfley. How are you a defensive you know, coordinator by trait? and you have one of the worst defenses in the ACC. Now, for Jerkovic, you see how he has a fully decimated offensive line. Max, you discussed this ad nauseum. Jordan Travis was successful because he was able to out, to basically make the offensive line look better. For Jerkovic, is mobile enough for that. So to me, three and two, I think, should be the movement here because Louisville looks terrible. Boston College isn't very good, and quite honestly, Wake Forest, we don't know how basically Sam Harmon's going to look this week against Vanderbilt. He might be able to you know build some strength you know, up in his shoulder, well, that remains to be seen. To me, Devin Leary is still dangerous, but the Clemson game, to me, that might be the more easable, more likely winnable game out of NC State and Clemson is the Clemson game, honestly. You guys are talking about the wrong quarterbacks here, I think. Well, here, hold on. Oh, yeah, Take, if Jordan Travis keeps up the level of performance that he has thus far through two games, does that change your outlook? No, say he plays exactly like he has thus far. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of assuming, you know, right? What do we call it? Carriers paribus, like all things being equal. I'm, I'm not assuming a drop off. I mean, but yeah, here's, I'm what, going here's, like here's what's bugging me, right? And this is kind of at like the, the shadow knolls or the dark side knolls, whatever, whatever they call themselves on Twitter. Um, two weeks ago, it was LSU is a must win. If we don't win, Mike Norvell should be fired. So if you felt that way, 
why is your projection changing because we did what we were supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like you can't say this is a six and six team, but LSU is a must win. And then we beat LSU and you go, okay, we better win nine. It's like, no, you said win six, including LSU. You know, it's this funny little cherry picking we like to do where it's kind of like name syndrome almost, but it's like each game is super important. But then the aggregate, I mean, all three of us picked us to win the LSU game. So like nothing's really changed, right? But what, what's different? you they're doing what we expected when we all picked them to win seven or eight games. So I, I think don't think so. we should overreact. I think what's changed is that you actually had this full faith and credit with actually with Jordan Travis actually making this kind of step forward, whereas Dave and myself did not see the jump come forward with that. And well, that's and kind of where for, we're adjusting with that overall. Basically, me, we're seeing more wins. For me, it's not even Jordan sure. Travis. It's part Jordan Travis, but it's the other part is these X factors. Like we wondered, will these new receivers be who we think they could be? And the answer so far or is the yes. Too. The defense is what we thought they could be. Like there were a lot of question marks that they got to learn weeks. how to cover people, though. I'll tell you what. They didn't let anything get behind them. Fair, but and it, that's half the game. <laughs> that's half the game. <laughs> Just, I, I've seen I've seen enough, even outside of Jordan Travis, that I have the kind of question marks answered that lead me to not sit, seven seven wins now is no longer acceptable. Eight wins. It, unless we have just been duped these last two weeks, which I genuinely do not believe we have. This is a nine-win football team. That's what we should be striving for. Yeah, I mean, I've got to sit. I hope I don't get screamed at like I did in LS. By the way, y'all want amusement? Go to an SEC team space <laughs> the day after you beat them. I yeah, mean, I boy, was, boy, was that exciting. Um, I mean, did you see that bit. moron, the Jordy Colada show or whatever? Like, basically how oh, he went, yeah. he went from the LSU yeah. was a great team. And like, oh, it's two bad teams. I'm like, you, you moron. Yeah, Go exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting. I, I, was, I was told I'm not allowed to use math, so that was fun. Right. Um, but, yeah, I've got, us, I've got us at about nine wins possibly eight i mean i'll just blitz it through game by game louisville i gotta see if malik cunningham's just bad or if he had an off game or because guys syracuse could just be really good i mean dino babers has been there forever and i watched that game they just bullied they bullied louisville around i mean maybe you know maybe we aren't able to do that who knows um boston college i think that's that's a sure thing wake forest 50 50 ball for me um nc state I mean, gosh, their defense looks atrocious. Their special teams is, is in Carter family. Yeah. I'm going to be at that game. So I'm, I'm hoping we pull it out and I don't know. I'm not ready to sell Clemson down. I'm not ready to sell Clemson yet. I'm, I'm still holding on to my Clemson stock because again, like last year they were pretty awful by Clemson standards and still won 10 games. So like, is this going to be 2017 for them or 2014 for them? Like compared to us, you know? So I, are you, oh, are you happy? Are you happy with three and two for that stretch? Yeah, yeah, and and to be honest, I mean, if we go three and two through that stretch, we're out of the first seven games at what five and two. Five and I mean, two. yeah, yeah I'm, I would. That's I'm very actually, satisfied you, with that. You would trade that actually if you knew that was going to be in a heart because remember we were talking about like how we wanted to see at least two like two wins in the first three, and now you have a really legitimate shot to win three in the first three games because Louisville to me going down as well. Louisville, I think Scott Stafford's terrible. That defense is atrocious. There's a reason why we didn't mention their, de- their anybody else besides Mel Cunningham because the defense overall isn't that great. BC might be the worst team in the Atlantic. Wake Forest, Max, I agree with you, 50-50. NC State, that to me is going to be difficult in Carter Finley. But with Clemson, the defense is still elite. That offense is not good until Kate Clemson comes in. Yeah, and I, I guess my question is, if we go two and three in that stretch, and by the way, just talking about like who we're playing, that's a tough schedule. That's a murderer's row of quarterbacks, even if they haven't lit it up thus far. Like, it's plausible that they play above their heads and beat and three of those teams beat you. Uh, 
if we end up four and three after this stretch, we're having a very different conversation looking back and saying, what did we miss? What went wrong? But would you be okay? Not would you be happy, but would you be understanding of being four and three after that five game stretch? If two weeks ago you'd given me that and said, you can fast forward to that but you have to take it now, I would have been like, yes, give it to me. Because I, I think we'll talk about this next segment. I think, yeah, you have three possibly, you have three very winnable games, right, on the in the back half. And you got a Miami and Florida stuff happens in rivalry games. So, yeah, you could still get out of the season with seven or eight wins if that happens. And again, I think that's still a successful season. It, now, if you, I'm just going to say it because I like cursing our team. Um, we don't have a great track record having a big emotional wins over uh, SEC teams and having to go play Louisville with a running quarterback. So, you know, if you have a performance like that, it's a big problem. But yeah, if a couple balls bounce your way, you're bounce the other way and it's like they're, they're close, I'm not going to love it. I won't be excited, but yeah. I'm not going to tear up my paper and be like, this team is trash. It's, yeah. it's just going to be like, hey, let's let's get it together in the back half, you know? And Quite honestly, we'll probably have a lot more to talk about if we actually end up four and three, kind of probably heading into that bye week. And it'll be a lot of more of a growing thing. And also, like I was just, we're about to discuss right now, there are definitely three teams on the back half that we definitely probably should be seeing as automatic Ws. Yep. All right, gentlemen. We are now in the final half, the last five games for the Florida State Seminoles overall. Let's say basically we all feel five and two is probably where we're going to be ending up at the end of this. You want to do five and three? You want to do five and four and three? Five and two. Five and two. Okay, so we're heading into Georgia Tech after the bye week on October 29th, Halloween weekend. We kind of look at this as more of a trap game overall, but to me, this basically, we win this game right overall. It's right? after a bye week. Yeah, it's after a bye week, and Georgia Tech kind of showed how Jeff Collins might also be doing his team a favor if he doesn't show up to the game, for being honest. Yep. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, this is, um, look, you have an opportunity here, right? You have an opportunity to go out there and, make Jeff Sims realize there's a reason that he's not your starting quarterback um, and that you made the right decision when you sent him up to Atlanta instead of bringing him to Tallahassee. And possibly, if you look at the timing of this, you have a really good chance to put the nail in the Jeff Collins coffin. And you all know I am spiteful. I'm petty. I don't forgive nor forget. And I don't forget what they did in 2020. And I, I would love to watch this team just get pummeled into the earth and have a miserable time in Tallahassee and Jeff Collins not be allowed on the team bus back to Atlanta. Nothing would make me happier. Yeah, that's just that's a game you have to win. That's that's not a game that I don't I don't care how many injuries we have between now and then, hopefully as few as possible. I don't care how Jordan Travis plays. If he has a mediocre game, that's one we should still win. This is one of those classic games where we as fans get really frustrated when in prior years we've said you got to win the games you should win. This is yeah. a prototypical example of that. There's Not no excuse for Georgia Tech to leave Tallahassee with a win. Even if their bus stops 15 miles north and they play Childs High School, they should right. not leave Tallahassee with a win. That's just an awful, atrocious football team who had like a little bit of life against Clemson for a quarter, but they're just bad at football. Yes. It was 14 to 10 after the first five minutes of the third quarter. I thought I, I was giving Jeff Collins some faith. No, I wasn't. But looking at Louisiana, we're going to talk about that game. Billy Napier is gone. Most of the transfers are gone. I know a lot. Like, nothing that's to say. Team. That's yeah, a nothing to say. I'm going to leave the I'm going to leave the rivalry games last, and I'm going to look yeah. at Syracuse. Max, you brought up a really good point. Syracuse might actually be a good team. Dean Waverage has been there for a very long time. Sean Tucker is still the best running back in the ACC. Garrett Schrader actually showed he's able to pass the ball, and that defense looks very strong. Dave, I know well, you have some I... opinions on this. Go right ahead. We have the best defensive line in the ACC and probably in the country. We have the best interior defensive line, definitely, in the ACC, probably in the country. Sean Tucker's not going to be able to get away with what he, he has 
against this defensive line. I, I'd be I'd be really surprised by that. And I think as Jared Verris goes through the year, I think he's going to become a more complete player, uh, not just a pass rusher. And I think you're going to be able to rotate guys in and out like we saw against LSU who are going to be able to come in fresh. And I don't think Syracuse will be able to run the ball down your throat. And I'm very confident that Trader's not going to be able to beat you with his arm. So that, that's that's not quite a Georgia Tech must-win game to me. It's a, damn, you really can't lose that game to me. Yeah, I mean, this this after this weekend – and I'm going to overreact here, but this has become my biggest trap game on the schedule. Like you, you play Agreed. your hardest stretch of four games going to NC state Clemson. Yes. You get a bye week Georgia tech. Sure. So kind of two bye weeks. And then you got to play Miami on the road. And then you have to go literally the farthest distance you could travel in the ACC, right? From, well, I guess you could go to Boston college, but from Syracuse, you have to go from Miami all the way up to Syracuse the next week. That's just a tough one, man. I, I have to see, like, was last week a flash in the pan or is this actually a decent football team? Because I think the game plan is simple, right? You just held Jaden Daniels, one of the best running quarterbacks in the country, to what you held him to, right? And you forced him to beat you with his arm, and he couldn't. You do that to Schrader, you're probably fine. It's just, we'll see. Let, would this change your mind, either of you? Maybe. Syracuse's schedule leading up to Florida State and immediately afterwards is as follows. They play... NC State on October 15th, Clemson on October 22nd, Notre Dame on October 29th, Pitt on November 5th, no bye weeks in this span, then us, and then the very next week they play Wake. All of those teams right oh boy, now. boy, so right. they have it worse than we do. That <laughs> sucks. <laughs> okay, you know what? Um, Yeah, I, I think Syracuse is actually going to be a pretty decent team, and I, like, I was with Max in the trap plant game. It still might be because the distance thing and that turnaround is going to be really quick. But, God, that sucks. That, that sucks. really – that – uh. That's a murderer's row, basically, right there, overall. <laughs> I don't know what you would yeah, do with that, honestly, if you're Dino. I feel bad for the man. I do, too. <laughs> that's tough. I mean, the reality is, like, you you, you look at this five-game stretch, right? Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, Louisiana, and Florida. And this is, this is the stretch where you're, you are you got to make your money if you're Mike Norvell. I mean, yep. you have an opportunity here to win three games comfortably and probably to steal one. I mean, we yeah. have – Miami doesn't play a real team, I don't think, until October. They play right? Texas Am I right on that? Week. Okay, so is it best seven win team in football? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, they, so next week, so they get three weeks. Well, uh, anyway, point is, we'll know what they look like against Texas A&M, I guess. But even then, will we? Because like that's team supposed to throttle them. So like, when do we find out who Miami is under the new coach? I, I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what, Billy Napier uh, looks like he knows what he's doing in the swamp. Um, Anthony Richardson actually looks like a really good quarterback. Uh, they gave Utah pretty. Pretty solid uh, helping of all they wanted, and I don't know, man. I don't, I don't That's love actually, that game. Just actually about to ask you. So as of right now, we both, all three of us, have them at eight and two. When with the last two remaining games is Miami and Florida. So I do want to ask both of you, uh, Dave. I'll start with you first, and Mexico second. What do you think is the more likely outcome here? That we go two and zero, beating Miami, and also beating Florida, ending up with a ten two season, or do you think that we basically lose both games we lose to miami and we lose to florida and we end up eight and four and honestly is eight and four season actually losing to both of them and also but but beating clemson in the process do you think that something could happen first of all it is there's no silver lining uh losing to both florida and miami i don't think it's particularly likely that you lose both of those games i think it's probably an even likelihood that you lose both is that you win both um there 
you saw what you saw out of Billy Napier in that game. But remember that at halftime of that game, the message boards were literally calling for his job. And it was all over Twitter. So to be fair, college football fans and us, we include us in that this statement are extremely there, irrational. There's a very, very rational people. Right. There, understand especially nuance. there's an entire Twitter account dedicated to message board geniuses. There, there's a lot that's going to change between now and both of those games. For example, um, Florida, I, I need to see Anthony Richardson do that over a long, long period of time. I just have to. Um, I need to see what that offensive line is made of because last year it wasn't good at all. It was worse than ours. Uh, the Miami game, for example, I need to see if they have anyone at receiver outside of Xavier Restrepo or that he's capable of being like a legitimate number one college receiver. So there's big question marks for both of those teams too for me. Miami is going to be overinflated by the time we play them because if you look at their schedule, outside of Texas A&M, the most difficult team they play is before us is like, the powder puff game in high school it's it's ridiculous so they're probably going to come in with a good record that overstates their talent level i'm not really scared of this miami team you know how i feel about uh van dyke van spike um i'm not gonna sit here and say we we should win both of those games but splitting those games we absolutely should you have to split those two games you can't go into this offseason with both of those teams being able to brag that you know, clearly Florida State's the third best team in Florida. If that look, we both beat them. You can't have that. So then, which team are we are we beating between Miami and Florida? So the way I look at it is right now, knowing what we know, I've got yet a thirty nine percent chance to win both of those games. So, like Dave said, it's kind of I mean, it's not that far from a coin flip, given we don't know a ton right now. Um, I think it'd be very on brand for Florida State to drop a game to someone we're totally supposed to beat, and then you know, upset one of these teams, but. Right now, unless something changes, I don't really think you beat either of them. I mean, I think they look better than we do and more complete than we do. But at the same time, like a lot's going to change. I, for me, it's not that things will change. I need to know what our defense is. I'm very worried about our coverage. I think we did really well on Sunday. But I don't, I mean, we've just, I'm not seeing guys that can go out there and, and stop who I think Anthony Richardson is. And who I think Tyler Van Dyke's going to be. So, I, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, right now, I guess, it, I think it's probably more likely you beat Miami because I think that they're the lesser team talent-wise to Florida by a good margin. I, and I think that Mario and Napier are about a wash at coaching. And um, I think Richardson is probably more threatening to this defense than um, than than Van Dyke because of the way you have to play him with a spy on the field and probably a bigger one that can tackle him. So I'll I'll pick Miami if I have to pick one, but um, I'm gonna need to see some more games before I have like a hard opinion on these games. No, I can completely agree with that. Though I'm gonna side a little more with Dave on this one. I think with Flo- with Florida, I think Anthony Richardson is actually is definitely who we thought he was actually going to be heading out of high school. The cannons there, the arms there, the accuracy somewhat starting to get over there. They had the running backs with Jordan and also with, I think, Trevor, Travis Etienne's little brother, Trevor Etienne. I don't believe in that defense at all whatsoever. Same. I think there. mainly they lost that game with Cam Rising, who who was getting all the praise, and rightfully so, from last season. But I think he was really, really married to the idea of throwing the ball into the ground in front of his receivers and not actually hitting them in stride at all whatsoever. And then I don't know what that play call was towards the end of the game. He pulled a Russell Wilson, for my personal opinion. So to me, I think with Van Dyke in Miami... I think Restrepo, to what Dave's point earlier, is going to be a solid number one wide receiver. I think they have a great rushing attack with Henry Parrish and also with Jalen Knight, who should be coming back probably by this game. I think he's out for about a month and a half due to a soft tissue injury. 
but they also have Don Chaney and Thad Franco. And that defense, they have the second best safety duo besides besides our own. So to me, I would take Florida. And gentlemen, we have just shown a nine and three football season. Who would have thought that? Probably heading into this year. <laughs> not me, not us. Not me, not us, not at all. But Max. Thank you so much for joining us. Please let the folks know where to follow you, where they can find your work, and also, how do you do, my guy? It's good seeing you. Yeah, it's great seeing you all, too. Thanks for letting me come on, folks. It was it was good being back here. Like I always say, we, we only do what we do because y'all do what you do. So make sure to keep following this show. I know I like to make it my first listen every day. I'm over at the Seminole Executive Brief. I am a quick 10-minute spot tw- three times a week. So, uh, again, a little bit of a different format. You can find me on Twitter at MaxMoody17. Made it in 2017, super creative. Um, you can it's find me Dave on, handle. right? You can find me on YouTube, where uh, the Seminole Executive Brief, and then same same handle. You can find me on TikTok. I've been learning TikTok, and it's it's been fun. Um, so yeah, we're yeah, it's been it's been a blasty blast. So thanks again, yeah. guys. I appreciate it. It's been a blasty blast. Max is very man. very hippie. Kind of has to stay hip with having a younger daughter. Who actually didn't she just have a birthday like two weeks ago? Just did, yeah. She she turned five a few weeks ago, and uh, your boy turns turns thirty in uh in two weeks. So oh, you're turning you turn twenty nine in two weeks. You're not turning thirty. You're turning twenty nine. I, I wish, man. I wish. Take these years back. I don't. Oh, want that means the Michigan game was five years ago. Oh, I think that we're not. We're thing, not though, discussing by the, way, the, the curse Michigan of Charlotte game. ended. No, no, we we forgot about something. It ended last year when she was in attendance for fourth and fourteen. I feel like. I feel like that no. was the. No, that was the turning point. Then we no. beat LSU. Okay, all right, fine. She's cursed. No, Whatever. no, no. She's not cursed. We're, like I said, like that engagement. Back. Since my engagement, FSU is two and zero, and they're undefeated. I'm going to take that because I need to absolve my niece of her curse. But Dave, please let the folks know what to do in the podcast level and on YouTube, and send us home, my guy. You can find us everywhere podcasts are found: Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, all those good places. On YouTube, if you like this video, please give it a like. Um, subscribe to the channel. Ding the little bell at the top, turn on your notifications. It'll tell you when our shows are dropping. And leave us a comment. If you disagree with anything, tell us in very angry words so we can talk about it. And we will talk about it. Dave always egging on, egging on the last people. For But for Drake, that was Dave and Max being back. We'll see you all next time on Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Don't take care of time, Max. Go to <laughs> <laughs>